0: What is up? What is up, Fathom Church? So good to see you all in the house today. I just always love that sound. It's the sound of introverts getting super uncomfortable for a few minutes, but it's also the sound of family. Uh, And if you're new here, and maybe that time is awkward for you because it doesn't feel like family to you yet, just give it a few weeks, give it a couple months, and it feels like family, just to hug each other around the neck And Love each other. None of us are running this race alone. So if you came here alone or maybe your family, you don't know anybody else, just welcome to the fam. Uh, We call it the Fathom Fam for a reason. Pray that this is a place for you to grow in your faith and in family. And uh, I'm just excited about what God's doing in the house. Uh, I'm going to dive right into the text here in just a moment, but I want to make sure you know about something Uh, coming up at the end of this month that I think at times, I'm I'm pretty convinced I'm going to change the name of it, or we're going to change the name of it before next time we do this, but we do an event called Team Conference, and Team Conference just doesn't say what we really, uh, you know, are trying to say, so we got to work on that, but uh, uh, really the, the heart behind this is so many of us you know, we're just running on E and we get to a Sunday and we're like, I'm just hanging on. I need to kind of fill my cup for the week and try to get me through. And if you only attend once a month, you're like, you're really hoping that it hangs on or we're we're living off of Instagram or Facebook quotes or a pastor in 30-second quote. And and we're not experiencing the life of overflow that God housed for us. And we just get it. Life's busy and we all got a lot going on. So we do our best to just eliminate excuses and make it a free conference and provide Chick-fil-A. Come on, somebody. Like, it's just good <laughs> stuff. Take care of childcare and all that stuff. So you don't have anything to worry about. Just show up. It's, a, it's actually an extra day we have this year. It's leap, leap year. So our leap day is February 29th. So you got an extra day. So what better way to spend it than right here in this house? We've got all kinds of just special guest speakers, people you don't get to hear from, who just God has done so much in their life. And, and here's the purpose of, of this event, is to encourage you. So that you go back to your families on Sunday and on Monday and you go back into your job and you 're filled up and you don 't run on e but you can be filled up and encouraged to do what god 's called you to do. We used to do uh, several like smaller events that w- that were around this idea of team, but really our our heart is that we 're better when when you 're healthier like we 're better as a church when you 're healthier and when you 're thriving mission. And life that God has for you. So we just want to encourage you to build you up. We've got like breakout sessions will be advertised in the email. If you're not getting our email, you can uh, text uh, you know Fathom or new to Fathom to uh, 84321. 84321. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. 84321. Um, or you can just fill out that card and drop it in the bucket on the back so we can get you on our thing. You can find out about all the breakouts that are taking place, all the special speakers. It's going to be an amazing, amazing time. So uh, anyway, uh, 97,000. Where did I get 84321? That's the giving one. Thank you. That was, that was like a subtle call out, but I needed to be called out there because it was wrong. So my, all right, so let's dive right into the text. Um, I want to dive into 1 Corinthians chapter 9 today and looking at a passage for Paul in which Paul is pouring into the church at Corinth. Uh, and so I just want to dive right into the text. Let's dive in uh, this morning. Uh, Do you not know that in a race all runners run? But only one gets the prize, and run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Uh, they do not run like, uh, or excuse me, they do uh, do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I don't run like someone running aimlessly. I, I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body, and I make it my slave, so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I want to spend just a few minutes this morning um, talking about keeping your eyes on the prize, keeping your eyes on the prize. Um, I'm a, a huge uh, sports fan. Many of you know I'm a basketball fan, and so two things happened yesterday that's like right up with this text, and so I'll, I'll, I'll bring it to you. Um, one is like my, um, my, my son was uh, outside practicing basketball, and, and he's like a young baller in the making. He's going to be every bit of an athlete that I wish I would have been, so... He's being groomed from an early age, but we're out playing basketball, and I'm working on his, his shot technique and stuff, and, and I'm trying to get him to dribble with his eyes up. He's looking down, and I'm like, hey, I can just I can steal the ball easy when your head's down, so, so, so look up and, and see the basket, and as I was thinking through that scenario uh, with him last night, it, it was just so on, on point with what God's speaking this morning, because I feel like so many of us, we're living the exact same way right we 've got a prize in which we hope to get to, and hopefully that prize is uh, is of the truth and not some some temporary prize that we are working for we 'll talk more about that here in a minute, but but we, we've got our eyes down in the grind of life. There's so many things that are drawing us into that grind of life. And, and the, the reality is that we need the body, we need one another to be able to lift our eyes from that. We need the correction of, of God's spirit to get our eyes off of just the temporary stuff and to keep our eyes fixed on the prize. But it, it's harder um, than it, it, it sounds. It, it's much more difficult um, the, the reality is that our, our, our brains are really made up in such a way that makes that difficult, and I want to talk to you about that. Really four specific things I want to bring to you today about keeping your eyes on the prize. And one, I want to talk about perspective, getting the right perspective. I, I want to talk to us about progress and uh, getting, getting some progress, keeping our minds set on progress. I, I want to talk to us a little about, about running with purpose And then running with perseverance, so in straight pastor style, get some peas this morning. So let's talk about running with eternal perspective for a few minutes. You see, like I said just a moment ago, our brains are really made up in two ways. Um, well, it's in two parts. One, which is the logical part of our brain. Anybody ever heard this? There's a the logical part, and then there's the, what, the emotional side of our brain, and that's probably an oversimplification of our brain, wouldn't you say? A little bit, and, and oftentimes um, we'll say, well, no, no, I'm, I'm left brain, I'm, I'm this, or I'm right brain, I'm, I'm more wired for this. And here's the funny thing about that, is that we all have both parts of the brain, we have both parts. We think logically and we think emotionally at times, and that, that part of, those two parts of our brain are always a little bit in conflict. The logical part of our brain always trying to convince us of more long-term gain, right? Our, 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 you know, long-term portion of our brain is trying to get us to think through logic and think through, hey, you know, we should plan for this vacation and not just throw it all on a credit card, right? And you know, that that part of our brain is just trying to convince us of that, but the uh, emotional side of, of our brain is, is like, I'm really tired, and so we're leaving next week, I'm taking off the time, and we're going. And so those two parts of our brain, whether it's food or money uh, situations or whatever it might be in our lives, feel like they're constantly uh, waging war at one another and I think it's uh, of, uh, of great importance that we fix our eyes on an eternal perspective, to lift our eyes. And I think this is what Paul is speaking to the, uh, the church at Corinth about. In fact, just a couple of days ago, I, some, many of you know we've got like a little side hustle, and so I'll work, you know, five, six hours uh, a week on that. And I was out there, and somebody from the church was swinging by to connect with Taryn for a moment. And uh, I was out there doing this, and literally 10 minutes before this person arrived, I'm just like, I hate this so much. Like, I am so tired of doing this. This is dumb. It, it was just not a project I'm super passionate about. And uh, the, we, we were talking 10 minutes later. Like, well, you know, you know, I love that you've got a side hustle. And, and, and I'm, you know, it's good that just, you just love it. And I'm just literally thinking to myself, No, I actually don't. So I told him, I'm like, I actually hate it. Um, I hate it. In in fact, 10 minutes ago, in the grind of doing this work, I just had to be like, God, thank you, like, remind me of why I'm doing this. Remind me, God, that you have a mission for us, that you have called us to, and this is the means in which you are providing that for me to go. And so I just had to fix my eyes. I was in, in the grind of life, focused on the temporary struggle of work or relationships. Are you fill in the blank? I mean, anybody else find yourself there just in the grind and just have to pray, God, just lift my eyes and get this eternal perspective. And, and, and that's exactly what Paul is saying. He's saying, and actually he's speaking to uh, the, the church at Corinth in a very, very specific way because uh, you're probably familiar with the Olympics. You ever heard of it? Anybody like, a, like super into Olympics? Anybody? Like, Summer Olympics, like, is way better than winter. Is anybody like a winter fan? Right? Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, we're split. Split audience. Okay, we're not going to divide the church over that. It's not a, that kind of issue. But um, back, back then, you know, um, there was this event called the Ismian Games. You probably haven't heard of it. But it happened on the opposite years. The uh, Olympics at this time happened every other year. And on the opposite years, the year before and after the Olympics, was the Ismian Games. And they took place in Corinth. And so Paul is teaching the church here and he's given him a very, very strict um, illustration that's right in their hometown. It's this huge event that people came from all over to compete. And I want to tell you a little bit about it because it brings all this into perspective. Yeah, perspective. Um, first, I mean, it was like like decathlon type thing. So they had a running event, and they had chariot racing, things you would expect, uh, you know, early centuries um, uh, AD. And so, running, chariot racing, wrestling, uh, the discus, the javelin, and also they had singing. Yeah, they had singing, but it wasn't like the voice or like the masked singer situation. It was, they would sing for hours on end, like four hours of singing to show off their bust, their throat muscles, their vocal muscles. It's kind of ridiculous. And guess what? They did all of this in their birthday suit. Yup. Singing in your birthday suit, chariot racing, running and wrestling, fellas, in their birthday suit. And you know what they did all of this for? All of this insane competitions. You know what they won at the end of this? Um, basically what they won was a celery hat. A hat made of celery. They would sing for hours butt naked and run and round, and throw the discus and all these different things, chariot racing, and they wrestled dudes. Yeah. (laughs) To win a celery hat. Like, no thanks. I'm good. You can have your celery hat. But if it's any consolation, the celery could be boiled down into a nice tea to coat your throat after you've been singing naked for a couple of hours. Ridiculous. Who would do such a thing? They did it for pride. They did it for you know, a claim and, you know, every once in a while they would throw a statue in there just to help them out. Or if you were from Rome, they would give you a hundred drachma, but essentially it was for a celery hat. And, and so Paul is saying like, hey, like the runners out there, they run for something that will not last. Like that celery hat, like give it two weeks at tops, give it a, a week tops and it, it won't last. But we as the body, we as sons and daughters, we have something bigger to run for. And so many of us, we may look at that story and be like, that's ridiculous. Like, who would do that for that? But the reality is sometimes we get so caught up in our temporary things that we are working for. And, we, and, and, and many of those things are not bad things to work for, but it becomes bad. And they're not sinful, but it becomes bad when it takes the place of God. And that it usurps. And so uh, it's great to work and move up in your career. God bless you. Please do But if that becomes the the, the goal, if that becomes the prize to reach that pinnacle and and love for God and a life that brings him glory is like like negligible, then then we're we're missing it. Because Jesus said, like, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where rust and moth can, um, can deteriorate it and make it decay, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where those things can't touch it. Store up treasures in, in heaven. Yeah, amen to that. Come on. Um, and he, so Paul is just providing some vivid imagery to the church at Corinth that they are in. And I don't know what that vivid imagery is for you. It's probably not a celery hat, but I bet you could name it and fill in the blank. If it's social status, or if it's the next vehicle, or if it's the next whatever. And, and that will turn our perspective from the things eternal to the things... Um, That are lesser. And so I I just want to ask you today what's the prize in your eye? Do you have an eternal perspective? I can still see the things of temporary and pull it, but I need to constantly be lifting my eyes to see the prize that's before us. Maybe you're caught up striving for things that won't last. And, And here's the beautiful thing about it when we begin to get the right perspective, when we get an eternal perspective, the things of the temporary all of a sudden have meaning. But when we're, when we're head down, we lose all the meaning because our meaning doesn't come from this, this life. It comes from eternity and things that are eternal. So we want to live with purpose. Um, and we'll talk about that here in a few minutes. The second thing I want to encourage you in this morning on keeping our eyes on the prize. And that's a habit. Like I'm teaching Beckett dribbling. Like, hey, it's hard. Like you can look up, but you, you have to kind of teach yourself and train yourself to look up as you're dribbling. The same thing to keep our eyes on the prize it's, it's going to be a habit that happens over time. And so I want to encourage you this morning to, to run with progress in mind. Not just with an eternal perspective, but run with progress in mind. Uh, so many of us, I feel like we don't start because we, we're not sure that we can finish. We get caught up in like, the big goal and we, we fail to take the first step. Like We've got a dream in our heart, but we can't even tell anybody about it. So we're so we're never going to reach that dream in our heart if we can't do the first step and just tell somebody about it. Like we we've we've got a, a big dream in our heart or, or to you know save up for the new car, but we're never going to do that if we can't discipline ourselves to save twenty bucks each week. Like we're not, and so so many of us we kind of got our, our our eyes out there, and perfection really becomes the enemy of of, of good. <laughs> you know, great becomes the enemy of good, and. And, um, and, and Paul speaks to this in some ways that we're going to look at here in just a second. Um, just to, to, to let you know, and this is going to comfort some of you who, um, you know, have filthy mouths. This is going to comfort some of you that at one time your pastor had a filthy mouth. Yes. Some of you are like, oh, I'm not alone. So I remember. I mean, I I had just been in an environment in which, um, which which coarse language and and cursing was just so normalized, and, and it just became my normal language. It just became the way I spoke. And then, and then finally, it, it hit a point. I, I had um, I'd given my life to Christ at a young age, but I had really truly surrendered on this trip to Mexico, in which I, I just wanted, truly, I was like, okay, God, whatever you got for me, He He rocked my world. I've shared that story. I think at the beginning of this year, on the first sermon. Um, but it, after I came back from that, I was like, oh Lord, I, I, I read a, a passage in James chapter 3 that talks about how can, um, can fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? And, and, and I'm, not, I'm not calling anybody out. I'm just telling you my story here that you know, I was just confused by it. my like, God, how can fresh water and salt water be flowing from the same spring? He was talking about our, our, our language. And so I began to, like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna break this habit. It's a, it's a bad habit. Maybe that's not your bad habit. Maybe you got two or three other ones that you can mention and, and name at another time. But that, that, that was a bad habit for me, and I know I, I need to break it off. Um, and so I just went in. I went into my week, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna use five cuss words today, and that's it. I'm limiting myself. You know what I mean? And then, and then I would go the next week, and then I would have good days, and I'd have bad days. And then the, the next week, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do four. I, I, I think most days I was there, and then I'd move to four. And i moved to three, and i made two. And eventually, I broke the bad habit. And you may laugh or criticize my method of breaking that. And maybe that's not the most holy thing. But here's what I know, is we've got to have progress in mind. Because God's looking at your direction. Not, not the direction of the outside. He's looking at the direction of the inside. He, he's looking at the direction, of The what I'll say is the posture of your heart. Like, what are, you, what are you looking at? What are you thinking about? What are you longing for? What are you moving towards? And because, no, no, I'll never be, I'll never break this, just who I am, or everybody else is like this. And we get caught up in this comparison game, and we don't just run the race with progress in mind, that I'm going to take steps forward. I'm not going to take steps back Um, I I heard one quote that said, hey, if you can't make a small change, then you won't make a big change. You know, can't make the small change. You're not going to make the big change. And so I don't know how that applies to you, but this is what Paul is talking about to uh, the the, the church at at Corinth. And I I think so many people kind of grew up, whether it's in your home or in a church environment, in very strict environments. Anybody say whether it's church or home, like, I had a pretty strict situation growing. Anybody like can just yeah, yeah, okay. Some of you with me, and and we get into this, or, or even we have this perception of what life with Christ is about, and it's a list of rules. Like I'm not supposed to cut this, I'm not supposed to do this, I'm not supposed to. I am supposed to, and we get we get all these ideas, and we begin to we we get to this place where we're just a bunch of rule followers, and that's oppressive, and that's why God sent Jesus, is so that we wouldn't operate in that way. That that's really what the Old Testament led us to is realize that we, we can't live under that. It's bondage to live like that. Some of us in this room right now are living like that. Like we're trying to do progress, but it's just on the outside, and it's just about rules, and it's just about that kind of progress, and it's not about our heart. But what Paul says in verse 25 is that these runners, nobody's putting it on them. They put themselves into strict training. You see, it's not externally motivated, it's internally motivated. It's not with like, hey, I'm gonna get here. No, I'm just gonna put myself in training, and I'm gonna be the best that I can be today. I'm gonna walk one step at a time, and I want to um, talk to you a little for just a minute about spiritual disciplines, which is a phrase that kind of scares some people. But we see through the life of Christ, and we see it through um, Paul's teaching that there are these disciplines, these actions, and probably my favorite work on this is Dallas Willard's. Um, book called uh, Spirit of the Disciplines. And he and a guy named Richard Foster, Dallas Willard's gone on to be the Lord uh, now, but they kind of broke all the spiritual disciplines they find um, in in Old and mostly New Testament in the life of Jesus um, into two categories that they call the disciplines of letting go and the disciplines of engagement. The disciplines of letting go and the disciplines of engagement. And And I've got a little chart here and I've kind of modified their teaching to, to speak from my own heart. And I think when we think disciplines, we're like, oh, this is so I can get better. This is so I can break habits. But the prize is not our perfection. The, the prize is not our perfection. The, the prize is Je- like Jesus. It's to enjoy life with him. It's to, to know not only uh, life in the age to come abundant, but life in this age Abundant. That, that's the life he calls us into. And you've probably heard about a lot of these things. You've heard them commanded or called for. But the reality is that as runners in this race, if, if we want to grow to become more like Christ, that process happens through, we'll just call it spiritual formation. And we place ourselves, and God has put all these things in our life, celebration and, and giving and fellowship and solitude and, and, and secrecy and sacrifice, all these different things. I won't have time to explain it, all these but, but as, as things that balance one another out, and it's not a bunch of to-do list things. There's actually some things that are just me not doing anything. It's letting some things go. It also could be called the disciplines of abstinence and the disciplines of activity, however you want to break it down. But you see, we begin to uh, it, um, uh, get these into our life and into our practice, and these become training for our spiritual formation to reach the prize. These are the things in which we go through, and you may have um, gone through... Uh, the season of fasting that we just did, and maybe you came out of that, and, and you're like, man, I just, I failed. I, I, I cheated. You know what I mean? And, and, and like, oh, I'll, I'll never do that again because I'm just not strong enough. No, no, no we're, we're missing, missing the point. Are we running with progress in mind? Because the prize is Jesus. The prize isn't like, look, I checked it off, and I did it. Look at me, I'm a champion. No, 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 he's the champion. He's the champion. And our life with him is to enjoy our life uh, with uh, is to enjoy life with him. It's to live a, a, a life that's for his renown, to to know him and to make him known. And I think prayer is so essential. This is where I differ from theirs. And I move prayer from a, a place of activity to, to a central point that kind of brings everything together and makes it spiritual. Because all these other things, like these can be very carnal and very physical and just things we do until prayer is the central core part of our life and that's what moves me from the temporary, and I raise my eyes. I go to Lord in prayer, and I let some things go. And I begin to engage some things that scare me, and I let some things go that I'm, I'm comfortable with as I engage. And, and all this helps us put our eyes on the prize, and it helps prayers the linchpin that moves it into a spiritual discipline. And so I just want to encourage you maybe to target one or two of these based on maybe where you're at, and, and, and things that you can identify as. No, no, that's my issue. I, I I always think of fasting as a way to beat my body into submission that Paul talks about here, because it, it just wants to do what it wants, and it just wants more cake. And more, No, no, I beat my body into submission. I slow that roll. Or, or, or maybe you're, you're just constantly bragging about your life, and bragging about all the good things in your life, and it's actually making you lonelier. Maybe we just need to embrace the discipline of secrecy. Okay, I'm going to do good things, and I'm not going to tell anybody about it. Maybe, maybe we, we tend to you know, want to um, be selfish. Maybe we need to lean into um, the spiritual discipline of sacrifice, and that can break that out of us. And so we begin to engage in that. But again, so many times it's it's perfection or, or, or greatness is the enemy of, of good. And James Clear in his book, Atomic Habit, says we need to standardize before we optimize. Standardize before we optimize because when we do that, you know, it, or, or if we don't do that, you can't improve a habit that doesn't exist. Standardize before you optimize. You can't improve a habit that doesn't exist. And so begin to... Hey, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little more regu- regular at, at church, and then I, I miss it, and I'm like, oh, it makes me feel bad, and I feel like everybody's judging me. And no, no, I'm just going to standardize it. I'm just going to make, I'm going to get up, it's in my head, I'm going to standardize it before I try to optimize it. Oh, I feel like I don't go in the right spirit all the time, so okay, let's standardize it before we optimize it. And here's what my encouragement to you today is just give 100% to that 1% of growth every day. Give 100% to that, 1% of growth every single day. Because if you do that, James Clear in his book, Atomic Habit, says the impact of that is so powerful. They kind of tracked it. I think I've got a chart back there if you want to share that uh, with us. This, this chart that shows that over the course of 365 days, over the course of a year, just 1% better every single day. Not getting caught up in the past, but just moving forward has almost like a 38% growth over the course of the year. It's not, I mean, just 1% every day. It's not like the whole thing. It's just 1% every day. Come on, if you're in my case, one less curse word every day, 38% or by the end of the year. We can probably break that faster. But if we go 1% worse every day, it's gonna have a, a whole different um, impact in our life. I wanna talk to you not only about running with progress in mind, but I, I wanna talk to you uh, about running with clear purpose. Clear purpose. I am coaching a six-year-old Flag football, so I appreciate your prayers. Um, you know, Paul says, you know, I don't really, you know, we don't run like uh, runners, you know, running aimlessly, like we have no purpose. We or bo- boxers punching the air, like that is what I'm dealing with for two hours every Saturday. Is just some six year old aimless running. I have one kid who every time he gets onto the field, the first time, how much longer till snack? And I'm like. Brr. It's football, man, come on, don't talk to me about snack, Talk about snack right now? Get out of here, and I have this other kid, every time he's center, he squats on the ball and just sits on it like he's laying an egg, I'm like, dude, and I've got this other kid, like every time we're on the offense, he's trying to pull our flags, like our team, I'm like, dude, other way, so frustrating, yeah, come on. There's just a lot of aimless running. No, 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 run that way. Just they're running all the place. They're six years old. But how many of us in our lives, we lack clear purpose too. We're going through the motions. We're even trying to do some of the things that we think might lead us in direction, but we don't have a clear purpose in mind. We don't have a clear outcome that, hey, our life is built to know him and to make him known. And that, that's what I want to lean into. That's what I'm going to put my energy into and this is what Paul is saying we can't be like that we, as believers we can't just run with no purpose and no aim because your life has purpose your, your life has meaning and, and I, I get it you might work in a job that doesn't exactly remind you of that and when you're folding laundry and trying to keep up with the laundry mountain as we say in our house might lose a sense of that. Get our eyes down. But come on, just when we run with clear purpose and we know whose we are and we know who we're living for, come on, it, it bre- begins to bring purpose into everything. And it's so much easier said than done. I was listening to a podcast this week with a, a lady who leads in a huge, huge women's ministry. She reaches like 60,000 women every time she she talks. and uh, And they were interviewing her and I said, how do you keep your purpose in all that? She said, how, how do you just not feel like you're just feeding the machine constantly because writing books and content and just like pushing and maybe in, in many ways, your, your life, your job just feels like you're feeding the machine for, for some of you. How do you keep your purpose? And she goes, you know, it's, it's pretty easy because I'll, I'll leave that stage and then the next day I'm, I'm folding laundry with a girl who's going through a divorce and we're just talking through and I'm just discipling her and she's like, it's, it's really easy to keep my purpose because of what I'm connected to and what I'm pouring into. I'm very intentional about making sure I'm staying connected to my purpose. And, and maybe you're here today, and you've just kind of lost your sense of purpose in life. And it's become about the job. It's become about the bills. It's been trying to you know, make your marriage work. It's been trying to make everybody else happy. And maybe you've just lost that sense of purpose. I believe that God today can just restore that back into your spirit and bring joy and purpose back into your life. You're more than what you do, but what you do matters, and God wants to lead you into purpose in everything uh, that you do. I wonder just how many churches, how many Christians around the world are just going through the motions, doing and saying a lot of things that are right, but missing the big picture, missing purpose, missing um, intentionality to walk in who God has called us to be, as we pursue Christ-likeness. I, I, I want to close today by just talking about perseverance and, and running in such a way that will not disqualify us for the race. Um, uh, in, in this time, this Ismian Games, one of the things they would do at the very uh, beginning is each runner, each competitor would step into this, this hole um, I, I found a picture. I forgot to, to pull it for the guys. But there's this this big hole and it's like a rock, you know, like formation or something. And they would each, um, you know, contestant would climb into the hole with the judge. And in that hole, they would make a pact that they would run by the rules. They would run so that they wouldn't have to be disqualified. And I I've been just reflecting, and this is more reflective than it is preachy for sure, but I've just been reflecting on our conversion just experience and how oftentimes and Jesus taught this in a way of like we don't count the cost. We don't count the cost often. When you know he says when a builder, you know, is gonna build something, he counts all the cost and we just we jump into something or Or, and I was thinking about that with our faith, and thinking about this whole running contestant thing, and how I think some of us we need to get back to a place where we just have an honest conversation with God. And and I'm not playing church anymore. I'm not. I'm not just trying to say the right things or do the right things. But I'm 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 looking Him face to face and saying, I want to I want to run this race your way. I I don't want to follow you on my terms. I I want to run this the right way. I I don't want to be selfish in my pursuit of you. I, I I want to run fully after you, so that you know. And Paul says, you know, that we won't be disqualified. So the runner won't be disqualified. It it didn't say like that. This person would lose their citizenship. So you making a mistake or cutting corners or have moments of lapse in your integrity is not to say, yo, oh, you've lost your citizenship. But it is disqualifying us from the prize that is here on this earth and is in the age to come. And hey, if we're going to do this thing, if we're going to run it, let's run it the right way. Let's get it there and let's run it in the way in which we can win the prize. The prize, Paul says, I strike a, bo- a blow to my body. Some translations say, I discipline my body. That's a very weak translation for the Greek meaning because uh, the, the Greek meaning is to punch yourself in the eye. Like I strike a blow to my body. Like just punch yourself and I don't know about you, but I have sometimes I need to pop myself in the face and remind myself of this race I'm running and get my eyes up out of the temporary stuff, that like <laughs> a hat full of celery, you know. I just need to wake myself. I need to strike a blow to my body It says it's not worth it. I want to run to finish the race. So many people are led around by their dogs. <laughs> you know what I mean? The people walking through the and they got the big dog that's just leading them everywhere. Or people that have kids that just run their life. It seems like the roles are out of, out of a place. Maybe you've got a boss that's just all controlling, all consuming, just leading you around, yanking you around to do whatever. They want you to do and we find ourselves just no control over our own self because we've just we don't even know how to control ourselves anymore because we're just used to everybody else telling us what to do and God wants to bring us into a place where we understand the depth of his grace because God's grace is deeper than favor on your life God's grace runs into giving you strength to overcome. God's grace runs into uh, anything that you cannot do on your own. Anything. And maybe that's to discipline our bodies. Maybe that's to lift our head today. Maybe that's 1% every day, 100% into that. I I I don't know what your eyes have been fixed on, And I don't know how you've understood the the, the grace of God, but I think some of us, we need to step into that hole today and just have a heart-to-heart with the judge. Been far too worried about every other judge on this earth, and we need to get worried about the one judge. Just have a heart-to-heart, get in there, and be like, I want to run this your way, God. I want to run to finish. So I don't do all the right things and say all the right things on the outside, but at the end, preach to everybody and I've lost my own soul, disqualified myself. I want to ask you to stand. I want to pray with you today. And this team is going to lead us in a song, and I was singing this song on the way in. um, It's different. I actually want to explain it for just a second because this this song um, is called Prophesy Your Promise, and the word prophesy means to speak with faith, speak with faith. Um, as if it is so. It's a spiritual gift, but it's also something that the life of a believer that we learn to understand in our life. That just because something's not now doesn't mean I can't speak it. And in that process, where it even feels like sometimes, I feel like I'm lying. I feel like it's not true. I feel like it's, what happens is our faith begins to shift. Our perspective begins to shift when we begin to understand what this really means to embody this in our life. And we don't say the things that have been spoken over us. We don't repeat the lies that are repeated inside of us, but we speak His promises over our life. Before we climb into any holes and just make this commitment, I I want you to know that as we lean into this song, I want us to declare it. God, thank you for this time we have together and thank you for the word of God that is sharper than any two-edged sword. God, it's not me that brings a word of correction or conviction to anybody's heart. It's your Holy Spirit that's working inside of us. So if it feels like for anybody in this room that I'm going to ignore the preacher today, I pray that somehow in the midst of someone's heart, they would know it's your Holy Spirit that's convicting them, not a word that I've said. God, and our response to you would not be to push you away because we've got the wrong perspective, but because we have the right perspective, that you are like the prodigal son's father running to them, God, that we could just climb into the home, and be like, I want to do this your way, God. I'm going to keep my eyes up for the the mom, the dad, the husband, the the man, the woman in the room that's just running, just can't find purpose in anything and feels like a failure because nothing's moving forward. God, can you just fix our eyes to just run with progress in mind? to fix the posture of our heart, to fix our attitude before you as we say, search us, God. Help us to run with endurance and perseverance to to not just start the race, but to finish it, God. We got our eyes on the prize today. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Lead us this morning. There's gonna be folks at the crosses. If you're in a place, man, I just need somebody to join me, pray over an issue. Just come as you are today.